tuned into the greatest. You are now tuned into the greatest. Oh, 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 oh my God. It's the Fearless Podcast with Arian Simone. Hey, fearless listeners. Have you heard? Arian Simone's third book, The Fearless Money Mindset, releases July 3rd. The book provides you with seven principles and tools to eliminate any fears that you may have around money. Pre-order now available on Amazon. This is a book you are not going to want to miss out on. Check it out today. Welcome to the Fearless Podcast. I am Siobhan Jones, and I am hosting the Fearless Podcast mental health segment. I am so excited to be joined by two dynamic mental health professionals. I have licensed clinical social worker, Mia Ridledge and licensed clinical social worker Stephanie Jones. Welcome, ladies. Please introduce yourselves to the listeners. Mia, you can go first. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So uh, my name is Mia Ridgel. I know it's hard to pronounce, but it's like Pringle, but with the R. So Ridgel. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, so I am a licensed clinical uh, faith-based therapist here uh, in San Jose, California, um, I also do life coaching uh, for my clients as well. Um, I currently um, have my own private practice here um, in the area. In addition to, I am on the um, virtual fit team here at Kaiser Permanente. And um, what that does, what I do here is we work with um, high functioning, um, high functioning professionals um, that um, have difficulties with moderate to mild uh, mental health symptoms stemming from anxiety um, and depression. So that's me and the steel. Awesome, awesome. Stephanie, introduce yourself, please. Hi, Fearless family. Uh, <laughs> my name is Stephanie Jones, and I'm also a licensed clinical social worker. I am hailing from the state of Florida. Uh, so I am here in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, representing Florida State University. Uh, <laughs> currently, I am the owner of Lifestyle Management Counseling. Uh, and that is a solo practice um, where there is individuals, couples, and family counseling services offered. So I'm just so grateful to to be a part of this experience and, and part of your jewels. Awesome, awesome. We are so excited to have you both. Um, definitely excited to be starting the mental health segment during Mental Health Awareness Month. And obviously it's in the midst of a pandemic, so this is a great opportunity to really encourage our listeners to help them in their mental wellness um, and encourage them to be mentally well. So I want to jump in and just talk about this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, it has really been a whirlwind and has really changed people's lives, how they're living day to day with so much uncertainty, their daily routines, financial pressure, social excuse me, isolation, all of the above. Um, and so I know that anxiety and depression are running rapid. What, what has been your experience during this time as a therapist with um, things that you have seen really come to the forefront? And either one of you can uh, jump in first. Um, well, I'll say for me it felt like, and this is Stephanie, um, I feel like my experience with my clients has been almost like a window shopping experience for me. Mm -hmm. um, I've noticed that things have been happening, of course, in waves. 
um, in the beginning when everyone was kind of initially going into social distancing, there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, a lot of unknowns. Um, but I still noticed that a lot of folks were staying optimistic um, that they can get through this, you know, especially with just kind of the idea that this won't really go on for a long time. Um, and so everyone, you know, is really talking a lot about gathering those laptops, keyboards, and getting those home offices set up and getting right. ready to, you know, spend time with their families and knowing it's going to be a lot of time. And so, you know, after having getting, gotten through that, that initial anxiety, then that turned into how do I manage this new normal and how do I adjust while I'm still adjusting? How do I support my kids if they're, you know, they're having to do school? What happens, you know, with our family financially if we don't get this stimulus check, you know? There was just so much, you know, anxiety about not knowing but still trying to manage anyway. Um, I've noticed a lot more recently that everyone is still trying to figure out what now. Like they've been managing the anxiety and they've been okay with it. And the idea of outside opening back up is, is like, mm, okay, I'm open to it, but what now? Like what do we do now? So that's been a lot of what my, my conversations have been about is just kind of watching a lot of the waves of emotions that everyone's been having. Absolutely. Mia, how about you? Have you noticed some of the same things? Yeah, so um, pretty much in California, we kind of have like, this really relaxed, carefree vibe where, like, Yes, you all do. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, but there are rules, and I live in an area that uh, is pretty uh, high-paced, high you know, structured, and, but it's mm-hmm. surrounded by nature, and so... Just the idea of not being able to go out in nature and enjoy the weather during this yeah. time. A lot of people, we look towards this time of the season because a lot of people have seasonal depression. And so this mm-hmm. is their time to get mm-hmm. out, you know. We, and even in doing practice, uh, we really root our coping skills around the fact that we have these advantages of going to do things in nature. And so just with even, like, trying to develop, like, new coping skills in COVID that may have yes. been supporting people when they have anxiety or depression, they can no longer do those things. Like even um, going to the gym has, was a huge stress reliever for a lot of people, including mm-hmm. myself. Right. And just to not have that as a, uh, an outlet, you know, there had to be some a lot of readjustment to a crisis, right? But then, you know, there's two things that I noticed were happening where was that, um, Emotionally, we were being traumatized, right, through fear, but um, logically, we had to also still perform. So it's like performance through fear. And, um, that is so I true. That <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> I didn't think about it until you just said it, but that is so true. We still have to perform in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> in the midst of a war pandemic. And yeah. so and I've been having to really make my my clients aware of that like could you give yourself some grace for like having a bad day mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I mean yeah. it's a national world crisis that we're in and so uh just being really grounded and present you know the things that we used to really use as um things to make us feel safe they're not there anymore and so it leaves a lot of people in a vulnerable place where you know, their jobs are gone now and we're about job security and that's what America is like pull yourself up by your bootstraps well, where are the straps at, you know? Like, right. Oh, God. <laughs> where the boots? Right, in the boots. Where are they at? Right. I think that all of what you both said is 
so important because we are in the midst of a global crisis, and I think that people are still trying to function as if everything is normal, and that's causing so much um, stress and anxiety. Something that I've noticed among um, people, people who haven't even, who've never really even dealt with, you know, any kind of mental distress, who are seemingly high-functioning, are finding themselves yeah. overwhelmed and stressed out and not really sure what to do. Um, you know, high-functioning anxiety and high-functioning depression is real. I, and I don't think that yeah. people notice that until we were hit smack dab in the middle of it, and now it's like, oh, okay, what do I do? Um, I know, Mia, you spoke about, you know, working – um, with high-functioning, people who are high-functioning and having these uh, issues with anxiety and depression. And I know, Stephanie, you do as well. Can we just talk a little bit yeah. about who are high-functioning and how they're dealing during this time? Um, Mia, you can go ahead and start. Yeah, so um, what I've been supporting my clients around high-functioning is um, really focusing on their fear of missing out, Right. They really don't want to be the person that's on the end of the chopping chopping block or if they're typically in a space of leadership, they're always the go-to person. And so that really messes with your self-esteem, right, and then which triggers anxiety, right, or and or depression because, like I said, everything before COVID was performance-based, especially in men. Um, men they get a lot of their self-esteem from performing, from leadership. And so that's why you see the um, domestic violence rate going up because men and women haven't really been taught how to emotionally regulate themselves and get in tune with their emotional intelligence. And the whole COVID pandemic situation is rooted in mental and emotional stability because that consistency that we're, you're used to seeing we don't have that anymore, and so it's triggering us emotionally and mentally. And right. if you don't have that, that sense of stability, which a lot of high-functioning people base their careers off of, well, then, then what do you have, right? Absolutely. So that sense of control is lost. Absolutely. Can you speak to that as well, Stephanie? Yeah, and so, you know, anytime that I'm, I'm describing, this, you know, depression, I always describe it as a medical condition, and it's informed by chemical, biological, and structural imbalances that are impacting your mood regulation. And so for someone who might be suffering from that, that high-functioning capacity, like, they push through. Like, that's the nature of their role. Like, they're a driven bunch. You know, they're those overachievers. And so what I've noticed a lot of some of the client base here, especially professionally, is them struggling to lasso in, them pushing through whatever their mood is. And I get it. You know, the idea of pushing through is fortitude and forging ahead and having this drive. But for, for some reason, with that bunch, they take that drive to the extreme. And right. so then it becomes, I've got to stay. i got to stay with it. i got to figure something out. And that's good to have a solution-focused attitude. But do you recognize when you're doing the most? like when you're doing too much and now you're not recognizing when you need balance and not that you just got to keep forging forward and just doing something to be doing something and being busy but not being productive. 
And so, like, a lot of my conversations with them have been about how to lasso in that energy and giving more attention and having more awareness to where you need to have better balance. Because when we think about it, you know, if we drive too fast, eventually you might crash because things are unsteady and they're unstable and that, you know, you might not recognize that you need to do something about that because you're just continuing to drive. You're continuing to move forward. Um, And so I've just noticed that folks have been struggling with slowing down and looking to kind of execute a little bit more balance. Absolutely. So how do we recognize these signs? Because I know, you know, stress, anxiety, depression, it looks different for everybody. And especially now during this time, I feel like it looks completely different. Um, But how do you, what do you need to look for during this time for people to notice within themselves is, okay, now I need to maybe, you know, reach out to somebody because maybe they're not fully, you know, fully aware of what's going on within themselves. So I would say that that questions I have, you know, folks to ask themselves and and usually to women um, is do you feel guilty when you're not doing something? Like when you sit on your couch and, you know, you're kind of having the back of your head that there's some things that you need to do and that you still struggle with allowing yourself not to do those things or, you know, allowing yourself to have a break. Like you might be operating in that high-functioning space because, Mm -hmm. like, you're not able to to recognize when you need to take a minute, you know. Like it's okay to not have to do anything. Um, I have them to ask themselves, like, despite your best efforts, Do you think badly about yourself when you didn't meet your goal? You know, like those persons that are driven to accomplish things and to make sure that things done, do you do you make yourself feel worse? Like are you worse of a critic to yourself when you don't meet those goals? So sometimes it's about asking yourself, you know, more questions about the way that you're as we describe ourselves hardwired, you know, to do things. You know, asking yourself, do you disassociate yourself from the idea that you could be depressed because of what you have or you haven't accomplished? You know, like, you know, what could be so bad about your life when people say stuff like that or they make you feel that way? Like, what could be so bad about your life right now? Here's all the list of everything that's going right in your life. Do you even feel like being depressed is something that's an option for you? You know, so these are things that, that folks internally struggle with, you know, on that high-functioning side, that they don't really feel like they can complain. Oh, that's so good. That is so good because so many people feel like they can't complain, that they have to, you know, hold everything up for everybody else around them. And they're kind of that, you know, that anchor for their family, you know, for their coworkers or whatever the case may be. And, with COVID coming in, I feel like it's really revealing so many things about others, but about ourselves too, and how we function in crisis or don't function in crisis, Um, which leads me to my next point of coping. I think, um, Mia, you said it best earlier, a lot of the coping strategies that we might have had before um, just aren't working now because we don't have those outlets. I mean, outside is essentially closed. And so we can't, you know, go out and go to dinner with our friends or, you know, go get our nails done, go shopping, Um, you know, whatever your coping skill may be, for so long I think we attach it to a person, a place, a thing, and now we don't have that. Um, What are some ways that people can cope to really support themselves 
during this time? Um, yeah, I think that you really um, highlighted a lot of key areas where we depend on people, places, or things to really support us around how we support ourselves. And during this COVID pandemic, like I said earlier, it's really taken us to become emotionally and mentally uh, intelligent, which is yeah. in, the other, in the other world that was before COVID because we know that world is, is no more, right? It, it, it really was driven on performance space, and we ignored our emotional and mental well-being. And now that we're in this space where that needs to be shown attention and at the forefront, the people who have been doing that introspective work, they're, it's not, they're not hit as hard. But the people who have not because they've been working, raising kids, you know, uh, running businesses and doing things of that nature, they really didn't have to really step out, step into this space of emotional and mental well-being. And so uh, depending on people, places, or things, as affirmations, that's codependency. And so people don't really realize that codependency is not just rooted in uh, being codependent on people. It can be also codependent on systems, right? Yes. And so what I'm finding is that there was a really huge emphasis on being codependent on systems. And so some coping skills that I'm working with my clients on is, okay, if you don't have those systems anymore to create that sense of safety and support because that's at the core of it what people are needing right now. How can you create that with the things that you have now? Now, if you're not able to answer those questions, then we got a whole other set of difficulties that's going on because that's rooted in some form of unmet childhood need for neglect, right? So um, mm-hmm. children need three things to be affirmed. They need to be seen, heard, they need to be affirmed, Right. Right. When you don't get those things as an adult, you become codependent on people, places, or things to affirm you in that space. Uh, and I'll use high performance as an example. High performance people, the reason why they perform so well is because they get their affirmation through success. So every success is saying you are seen, you are heard, you are valued, right? So oh, that's so good. Not, so good. If you're not getting affirmed in those key areas, then we I've been doing a lot of inner child work with my clients where we're taking it back to, you know, that place where they thought that they were over it, but really they were using people, places, and things to cope with that emotional need that wasn't being met. And so that's where we start at. We start at, well, how can we meet that emotional need with, first of all, you being enough, right? So a sense of worthiness attached to that. And then, two, it not being performance-based. Absolutely. Yeah, rooted in So that's where I come at when I help my clients with uh, working through those difficulties. Yeah, I think that, you know, the whole trying to unattach ourselves from all those, you know, people, places, and things, and really, I love when you talked about affirm, you know, affirming ourselves, because it's so important. And I always talk about, you know, you can tell adults who were lacking something in their childhood because it comes out in how they function, how they communicate, how they um, deal with, uh, you know, crises. And so all what you said is so important, and I think it's even more important now because all we have is kind of ourselves, and (laughs) we don't really have, you know, those outside influences to really help support us. Um, Anything you want to add to that, Stephanie? Man, most certainly. Um, and so, like, the style of, of, of counseling for me is that solution-focused brief therapy model. Uh, and so with my high-functioning folks, 
it like they feel like they're doing everything that they're supposed to do. And I say that in air quotes as I say it. They feel like they're doing everything that they're supposed to do to get through this and that. You know, they're genuinely smiling through those happy moments that they enjoy, but routinely they're left feeling almost like an imposter, you know, or almost like, you know, I can't be unhappy. And so things that I encourage them to do from a practical standpoint is to really talk about their depression, talk about their feelings of depression, like give yourself actually a little exposure therapy because the more that you acknowledge it, the less power it has over you. And so in series of feelings of depression, it's very natural for someone to isolate and to withdraw. But when they do that, they would, you know, withdraw themselves and isolate themselves from solutions and resources as well. So when you talk about it, you actually are relieving yourself from it, which is why people love talk therapy so much, you know. Right. So just talking about it a little bit more, like putting that, that face and name to that stuff. You know, I personally, I call myself out. So, like, when I know that I'm doing the most, like, it's a very, it's a very involved process, uh, you know, of trying to, you know, to really be more aware as you're speaking. But we'll call that thinking. <laughs> and so, like, I take the time to really think about what it is that's going on with me, you know, and then I talk about it. And then I call myself out. So in those moments when I'm trying to plan to do something or organize something and that I know that I'm doing the most, that I can already feel on the inside like a cringe that I'm probably doing more than my, my bandwidth, that I have right. to call myself out and say, all right, Steph, you're doing the most. Like, let's reel it back in. What, what can I do here? What am I actually capable of doing here? Because in that space, you just know go. <laughs> So you go and go and you achieve and you perform and you overachieve, but then it's just like those wonderful heels that we love to wear. We run down the tap on that heel from wearing it so much. Yeah, and we definitely have to just be conscious. I think that it's easier, you know, during this time, people who have always dealt with some kinds of, you know, mental uh, mental health distress or whatever the case may be, it's easier for them to pinpoint and identify it during this time. But I found that people who yeah. like, who haven't or even haven't maybe haven't identified it as that are the ones who are really yeah. struggling um, the most because you're isolated. Um, and like you said, Mia, they don't have those yeah. accomplishment, accomplishments. We're at home. You know, we're doing virtual meetings. Yeah. We're not, um, you know, a lot of projects are kind of been put on hold. And so they don't have those things to connect with. And I think that's where we're starting to see kind of like that snowball effect of those coping skills not working, of people not sure what to do. Yeah. Um, and it's, that's why this is so important because people need to really feel and give themselves the permission to say, you know what, I'm not okay right now. I'm not okay during this time. Yeah. Give themselves the space and grace to be okay with that. Like, this is not normal. There's nothing normal about what's going on right now. <laughs> but we are I think trying telling to... us all that we're not invincible. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Not invincible. We're not immune to, you know, anything. I know something that I've told clients before because people have felt as if, you know, mental, you know, mental illness can knock on anybody's door. And during this time, I think it's more uh, more evident 
than uh, than before. Yeah, for sure. Also, uh, what I'm seeing in, in people of color is that um, there is a, a, a essence of privilege that some higher performing professionals do have that they, because of that imposter syndrome, haven't really stepped into, and so they were living a very previous lifestyle but not conscious to that, and mm-hmm. now that they're not yeah. able to use those amenities or those resources, they realize, oh, my God, I was, I know for myself, I was like, I had a pretty good life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here working, 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 thinking I don't have enough. Yeah. And I kind of, I spoiled myself. So even yeah. with just sitting with that and, um, but then at the same time, we see so many African-Americans in disadvantaged uh, places being disproportionately mistreated, and that's a whole nother experience, you know, from being, and I, I call it when I'm tapping in with my friends, on the other side of it, right? Right. Um, and I was at the park with my son, and I, was, I just looked at him, and I was like, oh, my God, I made it. <laughs> yeah. I'm at the park. Beautiful day. My son's healthy. I'm healthy. We're not at risk. And I came from the other side, and I want to emotionally connect to that, and I do, but I also can't trauma bond with that experience, right, because it brings up a lot of trauma for me. So it's just really a murky Mm -hmm. place to be um, that I'm trying to even as a therapist navigate because there is a sense of guilt of, like, I want to feel it, but I'm happy I'm not there. Oh, you said a whole mouthful because I think in the beginning – I felt almost guilty because I was okay. Like I was, I was at a point of being home and, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm in a good place. I'm all right. You know, I'm working, but there were so many people who were not doing well with this isolation who were not um, functioning well. And I felt guilty for being like, I'm good. I'm okay. You know, my child's okay. And I think that it makes it even harder when you're really holding space for other people. And so it's kind of like, Mm -hmm. how do I navigate that with, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm, you know, I'm almost essentially bragging that I'm okay, but I think it's really something that you don't want to take on those emotions um, because it's so easy to do during this time. Um, And really kind of, like you said, it's cool that you also confront it now. Yeah, I think it's so. I think it's cool that you confront even acknowledging the gratitude that you feel. Because I also feel the same way that both of you feel. Is that COVID hasn't been bad to me? It doesn't mean that because there is so much suffering and all of that that's going on that there's not room for joy or that there's not room for gratitude. Right. And so even like confronting the discomfort of acknowledging that feeling. Like, I think that that makes headway for us all that just because things around us are depressing doesn't mean that we have to be depressed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a whole word. Both, <laughs> right. It's a whole word. Both can coexist. Like, we can. Yeah. We, if both can you better make room for me and enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I think that it's needed because so many yeah. people are suffering that it's good to be able to have people who can really hold space for other people who aren't, you know, who aren't doing so well during this time. You know, I can share, I can share some of my joy. 
you know, I can I can share some of that because I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay during this time. So mm-hmm. I think, listen, you definitely said a whole word with that one. <laughs> with that one. Listen, and I will say, like, my secret is I let them go first. <laughs> Tell me what's going on with you first. That's you a first, good, you that's first. good. <laughs> so you can see how, how much to put on. How much do I need to put yeah. on? I got to stick a toe in this conversation. I got you. I got you. Well, I know that with all this happening, there's been so much demand um, for, you know, online therapy. I know that has increased. What are some ways that, you know, you as a therapist have kind of pivoted to meet the needs of people who are seeking help um, during this time? Um. I'll, I'll go with that one. So I was doing telehealth before uh, mm-hmm. COVID happened. So the system, the systems and administration part of it, um, I was okay with. But what I've had to, uh, what I've had to adapt in my practice is really connecting on a deeper level over the phone in a crisis, and then also making sure that I'm, I'm not can on transferring my experience onto them, right? Yeah. And really, like, like we talked about holding space for them to have their experience, right, while I'm also in a crisis. And that has, like, I grew up a lot <laughs> professionally yeah. during this COVID situation because just think of the dynamics of having to be a therapist who supports people, and then you're also yourself in crisis, and there's no books on that. Um, I yep. look for them. I back to my, my manager of talk to my colleagues and things of that nature, and no one's ever been here before. <laughs> so I've had to, like, literally strategize around, like, okay, Mia, um, what do you need, right, first so that you can help other people? And yeah. what does that look like for you? And then because it's, it's so much more energy to show compassion and empathy through the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? I agree. And people have a hard time hanging up. I'm like, okay, right? Are we done? <laughs> I, I don't want to cut them off, but you know, I have a schedule of sixty. So that's what I'm saying. For me, I've grown up a lot, uh, uh, personally, emotionally, you know, developmentally during this on a spot um, phase of my career is because like the demand is here. I need to meet the need, but at the forefront of that, I've done so much work on me interpersonally. Like, I know that I have to be okay first. And then not having the guilt associated with how I, I, I practice during this uh, this pandemic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know, Stephanie, you, um, you had been doing telehealth before, too. So can you speak on your experience as well? Definitely. So my practice started in that telehealth function, and so the demand grew for more in-person experiences. And so in complying with that, I had been doing in-person counseling for probably the last four to five years, um, of which it started in that telehealth capacity. So I wasn't unfamiliar with, with the function of it, but actually putting that into practice at this stage, like that was years ago. Um, and so, you know, the biggest hurdle that I experienced with it was really connectivity, you know, much like what Mia was saying is like not only connectivity emotionally when someone is in crisis and it's just by the phone or in video and kind of that emotional response that folks are having to what's going on, but connectivity with the Wi-Fi and not on my end, you know. 
heart to. Have you ever been a part of a call where someone is pouring their heart out and yep. the call drops, yeah. you know, and the connection drops, you know, as a provider, you're trying to provide, you know. So in those moments, you know, those are the times that I notice that I have to pivot the most is, you know, I can – I can do the therapy piece, you know, I can, I can manage and transition with the time, um, but in those moments of, of a quick crisis like that, you know, you want to make sure that you have, you know, channels in place to be able to connect in an alternative way. So not only just the video function, but you may also need to make, make sure to have the, the phone feature available, text messaging, email, like any way that you can reconnect with that client in those situations if you want to do so. Um, but that, those are the larger hurdles, you know, that I've noticed, you know, for myself is really just transitioning with everyone. And I will say that I'm just as equally as, you know, honest, you know, that sometimes that I'm not having the best day either because I'm a human being and I have to recognize that. So I've noticed that I've gotten, I've given a lot more attention to getting up a little bit earlier and that's mm-hmm. beyond what it was like, you know, before going to work. I would be getting up earlier to prepare myself. You know, do I need to do my meditation today? Do I need to get my thoughts aligned? Yes, I need to do those things. So that attention to my to the preservation of myself as being a provider, as giving so much compassion and trying to minimize experiencing compassion fatigue, you know, I have to give that attention to myself to be able to give it back. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I think it's so well needed in the time um, that we're in right now because so many people are struggling. People are looking and searching for hope and inspiration and just trying to latch on to something. So before we end, um, can you let us know, let our listeners know where they can find you? And, Nia, you can go Uh, first. Okay. Yeah, sure. So they can find me. um, My website is rigilconsulting.com. They can find um, my work. I'm, I'm mostly am on LinkedIn um, as far as, like, I do, like, posts and just mental health updates. And if I'm doing any events or anything, it, it's, you're going to find it on there. I also have Instagram, too. Uh, I'm not as active on my Instagram as I am on my LinkedIn. Um, but, yeah, so it's still Rigel Consulting at Instagram, and um, I'm near Rigel on LinkedIn. Perfect. And Stephanie? And to connect with me, uh, to connect with me, Stephanie uh, Jones, you can find me at lifestylemanagementcounseling.com. Um, and from there, it has connections to, to all social media outlets um, as well as, you know, scheduling for, for clients that are uh, within the states of Florida or Georgia. Gotcha. Well, again, thank you both so much for being on here. I truly appreciate it. And I really hope that this message resonates with our listeners. Um, anything you want to leave them with before you before you leave? Either one of you? Uh, yeah, so I'll leave them with, we've never been here before. You know, it's one day at a time, and everyone's going through something, so they're not alone. Absolutely. That's good. And I'd say, um, I'd say focus on learning to accept change, that no matter how big or small, you know, that the changes, you know, are that we're undergoing, you know, use use them as an opportunity to grow because, you know, before COVID, you know, we all had our version of normal and that sometimes that normal that we were anxious to get back to wasn't good. And so it's important to use this this season and this time 
to explore those opportunities for growth for yourself and whether that is growth for yourself personally or growth for your, you know, growth for yourself for your family and the people that you're connected to. So just try to focus on adjusting your outlook and your mindset as we keep navigating these uncharted territories. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Fearless Podcast with Arian Simone. Subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review.